Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here for World Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today for a Week 16 semifinals preview. None other than John Paulson. Paulson, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, as we speak, I'm uh, updating rankings to put Nico Collins in. Looks like he's going to play. And Michael Pittman looks like he's going to play. So just stop trimming my beard. Just going to keep growing it out for the rest of the season and updating rankings for everyone. Like last week, it's just one of those weeks where all the lineup decisions are basically going to come down to the last 12 hours, if not sooner. It's going to come down to injury reports and just something you have to stay on top of. Uh, I think I was constantly swapping players back and forth based on injury reports last week, and we just won't know until we know. So we'll go through the show the best we can, but we're waiting on so many different situations. And we begin tonight with the Saints and the Rams, the first night of somehow four nights of football. And the Rams, at least we know, are an entirely different offense whenever Matthew Stafford is not under pressure. Stafford has completed 70% of his passes at 10th in yards per attempt from a clean pocket. And the last four games out of their bye, the Saints defense has practically allowed you to do whatever you want. And that includes getting pressure uh, at the 24th highest rate in the league. So Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Stafford, Kyron Williams, I would imagine it's all systems go here. Yeah, Stafford's on a, on a heater. He's had uh, four really good games, two of them against uh, the Ravens and the Browns, two really good defenses. Uh, a little bit disappointing in his numbers uh, against the Commanders last week, but he still had 18 fantasy points, just didn't have to do maybe as much as he had to do in those other games. But yeah, he's a, he's a nice play tonight at home uh, against New Orleans. They're 18th in just a fantasy points allowed. To quarterbacks and you like Kyron Williams, Kyron Williams. You like uh, both of the receivers. Uh, you could even roll Tyler Higby out there, but he's more of a low end uh, tight end too. With Chris Olave back in the mix, reportedly, how are you ranking him in this game? Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, projection, and I've got him at 12 uh, right now. Uh, I think he initially came in. I uh, just gave him his season long. Uh, distributions and he came in at about 22 but then I went back and looked at his numbers without Michael Thomas in the in the lineup and his shares went up across the board so I uh, kind of applied those and then discounted him a little bit for the ankle injury we do see a, a bit of a I think it's like about a 15 percent drop in uh, first game back for uh, players that miss a game with an ankle injury so He's at 12, uh, and I think he's you know pretty confident low-end uh, wide receiver one. The Rams are 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to receivers, so he's uh, he's got a good matchup. And for Taysom Hill, I know people have questions, but I honestly can't project. I have no idea why he only played a few snaps last week. I still want to start him wherever I can uh, based on – who was available on the waiver wire. I still think he's a top seven, top eight tight end. So I'm, I'm going to have no issue starting him, but does he reach his floor again? Does he provide nothing? Maybe I genuinely don't know, but I do still want to play him over the guys on the waiver wire, like a Tucker craft in a terrible matchup. Uh, Kate Otten, Gerald Everett, the list goes on. Yeah. There's a difference there between what you said though, uh, top seven or eight or six or seven. And those guys that you mentioned, because I think you're, I think I would start, Isaiah Likely, Cole Komet, uh, Jake Ferguson, those types of guys. I probably would even 
start. Uh, I mean, I think you get to where it's like Goddard, Waller, Kincaid, and you're a little bit maybe concerned about their usage or health. And then that, then you start making that. That's where it kind of got tough with me with ranking Hill because, uh, you know, he came back from the two injuries, barely was even involved. But, he, he you know, his usage is so up and down. You know, he could win you a week. Uh, but he could also, you know, get two touches like he did last week, and that was that was that was tough to swallow. I'm definitely starting him over that group you mentioned: Kincaid, Waller, Goddard, for sure. Just because they can also have the same floor as Taysom, and Taysom is a higher ceiling. So, absolutely playing him over those. But again, uh, not sure what to expect. I just know how volatile the position is. Bengals at Steelers on Saturday night, and let's start with the Bengals side of the ball because. Jake Browning did keep getting away with it. 184 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter on as the Vikings were containing him through three quarters. But now in this game, no Jamar Chase and a lowly 38-point total. We saw four starts last year without Chase. T. Higgins averaged a 26.4% target share and 90 receiving yards per game. So if you somehow are in the semifinals with T. Higgins, now finally you could start him with confidence. Yeah, T. Higgins bumped way up. I put him in as a sneaky start, even though he's not that sneaky, just because he his ranking changed so much week to week now with the Jamar Chase uh, injury. I wanted to definitely highlight, you know, his startability this week. He's he's at eighteen, uh, which is probably where he would have been if he had had a normal season. Uh, Joe Burrow, you know, healthy. Uh, Jamar Chase healthy. T. Higgins was probably, you know, in that fifteen to twenty range on most draft boards. So. He's back in that range now. I think it's a, kind of a tough matchup with Joey Porter, uh, shadow coverage, um, but he should see enough volume with Chase out. And as for Browning, I still I listed him in the sneaky starts as well. I'm not as confident this week with without his top weapon there, but he still has a decent uh, receiving crew, and he, he should be okay against the Steelers. They're not that vaunted of a defense at this point in the season. How are you ranking Joe Mixon this matchup? Because we've now seen the last three games, Mixon's share of backfield touches has been three consecutive performances of season-low marks. And Chase Brown, even in leaving for a handful of possessions last week, still handled a season-high share, 40% of the team's backfield touches. So it seems like Brown is cutting in to enough to make Mixon a very low-end RB2. He needs a touchdown to get there, and he did happen to score one last week. Yeah, just the 13 touches against Minnesota. We we talked about Minnesota and that you know that's a better defense than people are realizing at this point. And um he still got there with the touchdown. You're looking at his two previous games, 24 touches, 25 touches. So maybe we're worried about the low touch count a little bit too much. His snap share didn't drop a whole lot. Maybe it was more of a matchup with with uh with the Vikings. Um, so I, you know, I have him ranked as a mid, mid range, uh, RB two. I did, did, you know, he, he's mixing is one of those guys that if he's getting every single touch, he tends to land in a, you know, low RB one range. And if he's not, which is the case right now, with chase Brown sort of, you know, nipping at his heels, he's in, he's in those RB two ranks. On the other side of the ball, wherever you need to start Najee Harris or Jalen Warren, I do think it's a great spot as most running backs who have dealt with issues then play the Bengals and have their way against them. Not only do I think they're going to lean into the running game with Mason Rudolph under center this week, but also the Bengals have allowed five and a half yards per carry without DJ Reader on the field, arguably the best run blocking, run stuffing nose tackle in the NFL. So 
Warren, Najee, wherever you need it, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, you're looking at the Bengals year to date, fifth most rushing yards allowed, 4.7 yards per carry. And that's, you know, even without the injury that you mentioned. And for their wide receivers, since George Pickens has no issue in playing professional football, uh, we are only on Deontay Johnson. Three touchdowns in a row now, but also the only one getting any kind of respectable target share. Yeah, Pickens is, uh, you know, ranked as a wide receiver four if you have to start him. But then there's some other guys down there that I think I would, I still, I had him looking at him today. I'm like, would I really start, you know, Pickens over Rashid Shahid or, you know, Odell Beck? I don't know. So Deontay for sure. Uh, Cincinnati's 25th and just a fantasy points allowed to receivers. I have him ranked as a low end uh, wide receiver too. I think he'll get plenty of work from Mason Rudolph. Bills at the Chargers. I don't know who's going to watch this the night before Christmas Eve, but. The Bills should have no issues moving the ball through the air this time around, which I think was the game plan initially against Dallas. But then whenever James Cook is just averaging over six yards per carry, who cares about the initial game plan? That's why the Bills instead recorded the highest run play rate of any offense in week 15. But against the Chargers that are 22nd in pressure rate, 30th in yards per attempt, 31st in explosive pass rate. It seems like one where we just start everyone. Gabe Davis included, who has a zero in three of his last four games. I don't think Gabe Davis at this point is a must start, but he certainly has sure. some appeal. Yeah, has some. You don't like feel like you have to get the Bills in your lineup, all the Bills in your lineup. Certainly, James Cook. Uh, I think it's five straight games now with a hundred pl- or or more total yards, and you know, last week with the two touchdowns, another touchdown week 14, another touchdown in week 11. He's really delivering, and I've got him at RB3 this week uh, against this Chargers team that basically laid down against the uh, against the Raiders, and I think, you know, Stefan Diggs has had kind of a quiet year by his standards. He could have, uh, you know, a, a loud game here, a big game against the Chargers if, if the Bills decide to throw the ball at all. Um, I do kind of draw the line a little bit at Gabe Davis and that he just hasn't been consistent, but it is such a good matchup that he could have a good game. It just, you wonder how much the bills are really going to be pushed uh, to throw the ball in this one. Speaking of that, no Keenan Allen practice on Wednesday, unclear if he's going to play at all. And it wasn't like Josh Palmer did anything promising. Like he scored a 70 yard touchdown because of a coverage breakdown by the Raiders whenever they were up by 49 points. Other than that, Palmer, just a 12 and a half percent target share. So I think given the points, the bills are going to pace the chargers with, you could definitely play Palmer just for volume and opportunity through the air and negative game script. But Still a little less confidence for me and Palmer. Yeah, I've got him at 34, and that's where your things are getting dicey, where you're just like, oh, I hope this kind of pays off. And we we saw it last uh, week, as you mentioned. He had a goose egg at halftime. Uh, I had him in my sneaky starts column. And I was feeling a little you know, iffy about it, and he came out and had a good second half, but it was all driven by that long touchdown. But as you mentioned, they just don't have a whole lot of – weapons right now i mean eckler's not doing as well as you know we were expecting him to uh keenan allen's hurt mike williams is hurt uh quentin johnston isn't doing what they were maybe hoping he would do as a first round pick so palmer is like the best bet in the passing game you could also roll gerald everett out there he's you know likely to see four or five catches you know maybe he scores a touchdown for you buffalo is 24th and just a fantasy points allowed to tight ends you can have a stress-free holiday season with the help of hello fresh Skip the grocery score, skip the lines, skip the list. 
You can save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week. So it is easier than ever to find something that everyone will enjoy. We made the nacho party pork casserole. It's delicious. It has refried beans, has pico, guacamole, sour cream, tortilla chips. It's all pre-portioned, ready for you to just add it all in. Makes this huge casserole. We had tons of leftovers. Super delicious, super yummy. Everyone liked it, uh, including my kid. It was perfect. If you want a stressful free holiday season, go to hellofresh.com slash free and use code mostaccuratefree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash mostaccuratefree with code mostaccuratefree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers in game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com slash DFSNVP and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. For the Seahawks at the Titans, Everyone traded for or was waiting on Derrick Henry for the supposedly easy schedule in the fantasy playoffs, and they were awarded with single-digit yards. How are you handling Derrick Henry in this matchup against Seattle? Well, he had a he had a really good run there, uh, and Houston, I think, turned out to be a better rush defense than we were expecting. We, we saw their uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed ranking against running backs creep up as you know, the last few weeks and, you know, really came to fruition against Henry. I think he's got a pretty good matchup though against Seattle. They're 28th and just a fancy points allowed to running back. So this is a better matchup than Houston at this point in the season. And he's still going to see, I mean, he still saw almost all the work. Uh, it was his, his, his line was amazing. Uh, Cause they just kept going to him, even though he couldn't gain any yards, but I think he'll, have a bounce back game against Seattle. They're 28th, as, as I mentioned, uh, against running backs, and they've got Ryan Tannehill in it, uh, quarterback now. So I don't know how much they're going to want to throw the ball. I don't know if it's going to change a whole lot from Will, Will Levis, but uh, I mean, it's good that they can at least call upon a veteran to, to run the offense. If Geno Smith is back under center as well, someone I have complete confidence in starting against this Titans secondary. Even Noah Brown last week got there with 87 and a touchdown, I believe. 32% target share. So DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, also players you can start. Uh, Metcalf in particular should have an amazing game here. Yeah, I think you could I think you could run Geno out there. It's, it looks like he's going to play for sure. There was a lot of drama last week, but it looks like he's going to play for sure this week. And... Charbonnet took a back seat, unlike what we saw two weeks ago, to Kenneth Walker. So it does not seem like a situation where 
you probably weren't starting Charbonnet anywhere anyhow, but Walker continues to be the one to have whatever amount of confidence we can have against the Titans front seven, who is still stuffing the run. Colts and the Falcons, an indoor environment, Taylor Heineke under center. And at least what we know is that in three appearances earlier this year, whenever he was on the field with Drake London, Drake London only had a 14.6% target share compared to 24% from Desmond Ritter. But in those three games he played, all three went over their total. And again, it's a Colts offense who provides so much volume and play calling anyhow that we at least think it's going to be a somewhat good environment for the Colts offense as well. This is an interesting game. Uh, you know, I don't like really like watching Atlanta play, but the Colts are always in, involved in these kind of wild games and uh, they seem to be good fantasy environments. So I do, I am somewhat bullish about Drake London. I have him like ranked as a high end wide receiver three. I think Kyle Pitts is playable uh, with Heineke at quarterback. I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I do think that Heineke is an upgrade over Desmond Ritter as a pure passer. So the, I think the passing environment's better for Pittman and for, for Pitts. I'm sorry, uh, London and for Pitts. Uh, London was getting it done consistently with Desmond Ritter. So I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily better. Uh, also, Heineke had completed a career low 55% of his passes in those three games. I, you're still probably starting London as a wide receiver three. That's what I kind of back him up to because he was closer to a wide receiver two for me from Ritter. But again, indoors at least as a Colts defense that has struggled. Uh, sure, we're still playing London. What are you doing with Bijan Robinson since there's really no rhyme or reason to his usage? Well, I think, you know, last week he fumbled and just, you know, Arthur Smith decided I'm going to punish him and to his own detriment, they ended up losing the game. So, you know, I think it's probably a fresh start for him. I have him ranked at seven. The Colts are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. You just have to... You don't have to start him, but you know, you probably should against the Colts and given his talent, he probably gets about, you know, he doesn't, if he doesn't fumble right away, he probably has a bounce back game. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, both at practice Thursday, Taylor, the reports were Taylor's practice was going to come down to the decision to play him or not. So I would think that Taylor plays in this game without Zach Moss. And if that's the case, you are obviously starting Jonathan Taylor everywhere you have him. I've got him in the top five. Uh, Atlanta's middle of the road against running backs. Uh, I, I do think you're going to see a big, big workload for Jonathan Taylor. Maybe Mike Goodson just sprinkles in for some and Trey Sermon. I mean, I was having a tough time ranking those two if Taylor were, was going to be out. So I'm actually happy that Taylor is going to play because it makes it a lot clearer as to what's happening there. And as for Pittman, uh, guys coming back from concussion, receivers anyway, have seen about a 30% dip in their fantasy production their work first week back. So he's a little bit, you know, normally we've been ranking him in the top 12. So I'm a little bit concerned about Pittman. Uh, not terribly concerned, but a little bit concerned about him in terms of, you know, his upside coming off his concussion. Browns and Texans, no CJ Stroud. Sounds like Nico Collins is going to come back. I wish... Stroud was in, if only because it'd be an amazing environment for Joe Flacco in the passing game. Flacco now averaging 44 attempts in his three starts for Cleveland, and the Texans' secondary has fallen apart completely. Since week 10, 8.2 yards per attempt, 19.2 fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So everyone asks about, who am I streaming this week? Who can I pick up off the waiver wire? Joe Flacco is far and away my favorite quarterback on the waiver wire this week because it's such an elite matchup. 
Yeah, he's a good start, regardless of Stroud's uh, availability, which it looks like he will be out. If Stroud was there, it could be a really fun, high-scoring game with tons and tons of passes. But uh, as it stands, I think you're still going to see a lot of passes out of Flacco. He's 44 minimum the last three games. Uh, So, you know, when I run my numbers, it sort of looks at the whole season of Cleveland, and I have to sort of redo uh, the Browns uh, stats for based on what they've been doing with Flacco, which is a totally different thing than what they were doing with Deshaun Watson and the other quarterbacks that they had. So, you know, in a matchup where the Texans are 29th and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, he's my QB 15 right now. And you could probably make a case for him, you know, over G- Geno Smith or over Jordan Love, um, at, you know, as a volume based uh, passer. The other guy I'm interested in is Nick Mullins, but we'll talk about him in a bit. And for the Texans, how are you ranking Nico Collins from Case Keenum against Cleveland? Yeah, again, I'd love to see Stroud in this game, and I, I would be ranking Nick, Nico Collins uh, you know, significantly higher because the, the passing attack for the Texans would be a lot more dependable. Um, you know, As it stands, I've got him ranked as a wide receiver three. Uh, the calf injury is also a little bit of an uh, issue, You know, 13 to 15% drop in fantasy production first week back from a calf injury. Uh, so a little concerned about that, but it might be offset by the absence of Tank Dell. Uh, you know, Collins's uh, volume might be have a higher floor for that reason. It does his return does you know put a damper on Noah Brown a bit, but Noah Brown should see still see some work. Uh, it's just we're, we're seeing it from uh, Davis Mills instead of C.J. Stroud. And that's a big downer. Also a plus for Devin Singletary, who took the reins this past game, out touched Damian Pierce two weeks ago, but then completely getting every single touch, 30 touches. Now the only running back in the league with multiple 30-touch games. And Damian Pierce, single-digit snaps, one touch overall. So Singletary, just based on volume alone, despite the matchup, someone everyone should be starting as a top 24 back. Yeah, I think you you have to. I just, it's really schizophrenic how they're doing this backfield, though. Like, are we 100% sure it's going to be Singletary in every down roll? So I, I, was, a, I was afraid to give him... Uh, you know, every single touch or 99% of the touches or 95% of the touches because then, you know, Singletary is in the top 10. Uh, that that worries me a little bit. But, you know, just given on what they did last game, that's what we can expect. I think he's a strong start. It just might backfire if they continue to go back and forth between uh, him and Pierce. Packers and Panthers. And we have seen Jordan Love after that month stretch of easy games sort of come back to earth these past two weeks. Not only that, but the Packers offense also banged up. So we are touch and go with Jaden Reed. No idea if he's going to play. If he doesn't, uh, I know you wrote up Dontavian Wicks as a sneaky start. And uh, uh, Romeo Dobbs. I think they're both going to play tons of snaps this in this one. If Jaden Reed and Christian Watson remain out. And I think part of the, you know, love struggles, not only, you know, they, they played the, the Lions and then the, uh, uh, I'm blanking on their other win, the Chiefs, and then, uh, you know, lost to, you know, two subpar teams, one at home against the, I guess the Bucks are okay. Uh, some of that is, you know, has to do with losing Christian Watson, who was coming on, you know, really strong prior to his injury. Uh, they did get Aaron Jones back last week, and he saw a significant amount of the work. I think he's got the best matchup of the entire Packer offense against the Carolina uh, rush defense, which is 25th and just a fantasy points allowed to running backs. But certainly in the passing game, I think it's mainly three guys. It's going to be Wicks, 
Dobbs and Tucker Craft, you know, along with Jones catching some passes. But those are the three guys that are startable. I don't know how I, how great I feel about any of them because Carolina, you know, really hasn't given up a lot of passing production to opposing offenses. And so, you know, I think Jordan loves even a little bit dicey. I think they might, the Packers might score most of their fantasy points uh, through the running game. There's going to be so little volume in this game. It's going to be a struggle for anyone to get there, except for Chuba Hubbard, who now at least 22 carries in three consecutive games, 24 touches without Frank Reich. Uh, And it's actually an amazing spot since the last month. The Packers are one of only two defenses allowing over five yards per carry. So Hubbard's really the only person I'm, I'm trusting here. Certainly on the Carolina side of the ball, I I wouldn't trust anyone else. But yes, Packers receivers, literally touch and go. Confidence in Jaden Reed. And then uh, Wicks for me if Reed is out. But as you said, the passing game is not something I want to be targeting right now, especially in this low-volume matchup for the Packers. Commanders and the Jets. I dropped Terry McLaurin, and I was very confident about it. Even with... Sam Howell in the game against the Rams last week. Terry McLaurin only had three catches of 48 yards. Over the last month, he has 0, 48, no, 0, 50, 43, and 33 receiving yards. He's not someone you can play. And then, of course, Jacoby Brissett comes off the bench, and McLaurin stacks 93 yards and a touchdown. But in this game, with Howell back under center, uh, I, again, do not think Terry McLaurin, you can use him whatsoever. And same for Howell, because like we talked about with Josh Dobbs a couple weeks ago, the leash has got to be shorter than ever for Howe. So it doesn't seem like you're going to get four quarters of starting. Uh, the Jets are for, first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and to receivers. So this is, you know, the worst possible matchup. You're trying to avoid playing these, you know, the thing they have going for them is that, they're, you know, you know Howell's a starter in a very pass-heavy uh, passing attack. But the fact that he got yanked last week is, is a sign that maybe uh, he might get yanked this week. And, of course, um, McLaurin, uh, had the good game last week, but it was largely from Jacoby Brissett. And, you know, you're looking at him as a wide receiver three just because, you know, he might see seven, eight targets, but I don't know how much fantasy production he's going to be able to generate against uh, against the Jets. And Brian Robinson still isn't practicing, right? Correct. Okay, so, and we saw a three-headed backfield since Jonathan Williams is also involved. Chris Rodriguez had more touches than Antonio Gibson, so a situation you can definitely stay away from altogether. Curtis Samuel is the only one that I have any amount of confidence, if you want to call that, since he does have a 25% target share the last three games, and the Jets are also allowing the third-highest target rate from the slot. For the Jets' side of the ball, Trevor Simeon, presumably under center for Zach Wilson, who is suffering a concussion. How are you handling a potential Garrett Wilson bounce back in the rankings? It's hard to know, you know, what Simeon's going to do with, uh, you know, a player like Garrett Wilson, but he's been pretty consistently targeted no matter who's been the quarterback for the Jets. I've got him ranked at 20. It's a fantastic matchup against the the commanders, their 31st and just a fantasy points allowed to receivers their 32nd and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So I've got Simeon at 27. So he is a, you know, bottom of the barrel streamer for super flex uh, formats as well. They just don't have a whole lot going on in the passing game other than Wilson that bodes well for him. For the 
uh, Jets running backs and Brees Hall, a down game last week with six touches, but potentially positive game script here for the Jets, given the offensive woes the commanders are going through. So how are you handling Brees Hall for anyone with start decisions there? Well, Washington's 31st and just a fantasy points allowed to running backs too. I think the concern with, with Hall is, you know, does he get as many dump offs from Simeon? I think that was where he's banking a lot of his fantasy points over the last few weeks. The running game really isn't going uh, very well, but this is a good spot for him. Lions and Vikings. You mentioned Nick Mullins, who I also have as my second favorite streaming quarterback behind Joe Flacco this week. So go ahead and talk to us about Nick Mullins. Yeah, I have to decide my my personal league. I have to decide between Nick Mullins and Geno Smith in a six point pass TD league, and I'm right now I'm leaning. And the rankings say Mullins in six-point pass TD because of the matchup at home against Detroit. They're 30th in just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, obviously in the Dome uh, home game. I think it's a great spot for him. And he showed last week that he's competent enough to run the offense. And he's got uh, one of the best receiving cores in the league now that uh, Justin Jefferson is back in the fold. Also for the Lions, it is a... Very tough matchup against this Vikings defense, but we've seen because of the construct of their offense, even a couple weeks ago against the Bears, the passing game didn't do anything, but both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery averaged over six yards per carry. I know everyone wasn't happy with Montgomery's final box score, but he still out-touched Jameer Gibbs 19-13. So tougher matchup for Montgomery personally, since the Lions are, or Vikings are allowing eight catches per game to opposing backfields over the last month. That's all Gibbs territory, but still an environment indoors where we think there's enough elite talent on offense where both offenses can get there. Thus the players can get there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you know, the Vikings uh, bottom six in uh, rushing yards allowed 92, uh, 3.7 yards per carry allowed. The other thing I wanted to mention on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, I, so I think you're absolutely starting Gibbs. I think Montgomery is probably a decision based on who your other options are. Um, but um, I wanted to mention Ty Chandler because it does sound like Kevin O'Connell now is going to hand the keys to him, even if Alexander Madison is back. And it's not clear that he's going to be back. I, last I heard, he had a high ankle sprain, so it would be tough to make it back uh, you know, within two weeks. And if he did, he'd probably be limited. And it sounds like they are going to feature Chandler anyway. So I've got him ranked in the top 10. O'Connell used the terms absolutely and featured Featured, twice. featured. Yeah, yeah, featured, featured comma, featured. featured, which I would assume that means Ty Chandler will finally be featured, featured in that backfield. <laughs> he's, he's also handled 32 of 35 running back carries and 37 to 40 touches since Alexander Madison suffered his ankle injury. So no one else getting involved whatsoever. So simply as a, a touch-based option indoors, yes. So you're absolutely starting Ty Chandler as a low-end RB1. Also for the wide receivers, how are you handling Jordan Addison? Because... It was still Justin Jefferson who commanded the volume, 31% target share. Addison only at 18.5%, but he caught his two touchdowns, which were a couple lucky catches, but also he's good at football, so he can do that. So how I don't know how to handle Addison, honestly, in this spot. I've got him at 24, and you just look at the guys around him. Chris Godwin, uh, quiet year, but had a big game against my Packers last week. Deontay Johnson, we're not sure about the quarterback situation with Pittsburgh, you know. So I think it's reasonable, those two guys below him, and you're, those are the types of guys you're kind of deciding amongst. I mean, the matchup is really good against Detroit. The game is indoors. Uh, he clearly has the eye of uh, Nick Mullins, at least when it comes to touchdowns. So, you know, I think he's a fairly confident start. Not 
to the point where we were starting him every week like we like we were when uh, Justin Jefferson is out but I think he's certainly startable this week uh, given some of the other options at the position this uh in the in that high end wide receiver 3 low end wide receiver 2 range let's talk about the Jags and Bucks because I think it is an amazing offensive environment for the fantasy playoffs even with Trevor Lawrence in concussion protocol because the Bucks defense has been so bad out of their bye 30th in explosive passing rate, 31st in yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks, that Calvin Ridley, who was targeted on 45% of pass attempts without Zay Jones last week whenever Jones left the field, that Evan Ingram, they can easily get there even from C.J. Beathard. Uh, and then that also elevates Baker Mayfield in the Bucks' offense and a potential Godwin spot in back-to-back games because the Jaguars run the fourth highest rate of zone coverage, and Godwin has tied Evans with a 25% target per route run rate against that scheme, whereas against man coverage, Evans was lapping him 37% to 23%. So I do actually like Godwin quite a bit in this game. Also, the last two weeks, Godwin 41% target share to Evans 21%. So it seems like the tide could be turning a hair this last month. It would be nice because it's all been it's been all Mike Evans all year uh, for Godwin uh, managers. They they are acutely aware of that, so it's nice that he's coming out at least at the end. Uh, the Jaguars have been a pass funnel, uh, but they are struggling a little bit against the run as the AFPA is uh, starting to catch up to them. They're 18th in just the fantasy points allowed to running backs, so Rashad White is a must must start. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously Mike Evans is, has had a great year. I, I agree with you. I, I think Godwin is a solid play. I have him at 25 Mayfield is a great streamer. If you need a streamer, or if you have him on your bench, he's a really good start. I, uh, disagree with you slightly on the, uh, Jaguars offense. I am a little bit more concerned about, uh, the, the passing attack as a whole with Beathard at, at quarterback. I don't know if he is capable of taking advantage of the bucks to the degree that they would all need to get there but there are a number of injuries here so you do have an opportunity for ridley and for engram uh to sort of see the bulk of the targets because uh, zay jones has been nicked up and you know obviously christian kirk is out as well so if the targets are more concentrated between etn um ridley and and engram then they could certainly get there Ingram also targeted on four of Beathard's 10 pass attempts a couple weeks ago whenever Beathard came off the bench for Lawrence. Cardinals at Bears. Cardinals are really bad, and the Bears defense is really good. Your thoughts on anyone outside of Trey McBride? I'm worried about Kyler Murray as a, you know... You like him as a you know as a runner. He'll he'll run for touchdowns. His passing hasn't been very good this this year. The the Bears defense, as you mentioned, has really gotten stingy. They're third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, McBride is the the lone confident play. We, obviously, Marquise Brown is likely to miss with a heel injury. So if you're really desperate, maybe you throw a like a Michael Wilson out there. But he hasn't shown a whole lot of rapport. Uh, with Kyler Murray either so I, the, from a trustworthy standpoint I think it's just McBride and you know Connor will get his touches but the Bears are, have a really good run defense they're also third and just a fancy points allowed to running backs they've allowed the fewest rushing yards this season 79.8 uh, 3.5 yards per carry so probably not going to be a lot of running room for him Connor uh, but he might get a touchdown yeah Connor one of those ones where if you're you're basically making a decision with like David Montgomery because you don't necessarily want to start him, but if you have to, sure. For the Bears side of the ball, too, 
uh, Justin Fields last week, a game plan where he was under pressure on over 50% of his dropbacks. Uh, the first time the last month, he didn't record double digit carries, but in this game against the Cardinals defense where they didn't blitz Brock Purdy on a single drop back and Fields is averaging over eight yards per attempt from a clean pocket this year. So I think it's an amazing spot for Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, et cetera. I would agree. Those are the three though, right? There's just, yes. you look at, you look at the right the backfield and it's <laughs> Rashawn Johnson came out and did, had the best game. So you would think, okay, you know, maybe he'll get the start, but Dante Foreman continues to start. We'll see what happens this week. This is a great spot for the running game. Somebody is likely to have a good game. The, the, the Cardinals are 32nd and just fancy points allowed uh, to running back. So somebody is going to have a good game, I think, in this backfield. But from a trustworthy standpoint, Fields, Komet, and uh, DJ Moore, those are, the, those are the three you can count on. Yeah. As long as it's three players for the Bears, it is zero players in their backfield. Cowboys at Dolphins. Excited about this one, not because I think it goes over the total. I think it's another situation where it's actually a, a pretty bad matchup for both teams. But I'm curious because this is going to answer a lot of the lingering questions we have about how real both offenses and defenses are. Like even for Josh Allen and the Bills offense to get there, Allen was under pressure on 50% of his dropbacks last week. And Tua under pressure this year has been miserable. 43% completion rate, 5.7 yards per attempt, which is 22nd among all quarterbacks. And so if the Cowboys defense can still get pressure here, I do worry about Tua, not Tyreek or Waddle, but Tua overall, who I think is a, another start-sit decision for people. Not only that, but uh, the Dolphins running backs. We just saw James Cook again have a career day and in six full games with A-Chan this year, the Dolphins are leading the league with six yards per carry. So I think the Dolphins running backs can have success. Uh, your thoughts on this game overall and the players who are question marks. Yeah, we're still seeing uh, Mostert kind of in the lead role, A-Chan uh, in a complimentary role. Uh, so I think they're both startable, but I would uh, you know, give the lean to, to Mostert. I think he's the, the goal line back and they, they are you know, likely or as likely as any team probably in the league to have multiple rushing touchdowns in a game. So he, he can get you to certain games. Um, Tua, I have at eight, and I'm looking at the guys. I, I definitely would start like a Brock Purdy or Lamar Jackson over him. But, you know, Jared Goff in a tough matchup uh, indoors at Minnesota. There's some pluses and some minuses with that. Matthew Stafford, I think we uh, discussed. I think he's a really solid start, but I don't know if I would start him over Tua if Tyreek is back. Uh, so then we get into Baker Mayfield, you know, et cetera. So I think he is a startable. He's a little bit dicey. They're 14th, uh, the Cowboys are, and just fancy points allowed to quarterbacks. Feel pretty good about him if, if he has his full, you know, set of weapons. If he's down Tyreek, which I don't think he will be, I think Tyreek's going to play. Uh, then you get a little bit worried because, you know, the Cowboys are probably more capable of taking away. Um, Jalen Waddle. I guess you know you look at the Jets defense and they're they're pretty solid. So you uh, ended up having a nice day anyway. I, I just uh, I think with Tua depends on who you have on the bench. I'm just starting to think about like what what are your other options. I don't think I would go down to the Joe Flacco's, Joe, uh, Geno Smiths of the world, but you know certainly uh, you know Stafford. That's that's a tough decision. And for the Cowboys, we've seen Brandon Cooks become touchdown or bust option. Really can only play him if you think the environment goes over. Uh, I don't think that's this game, honestly. It's volatile. It could happen, but not a situation where I want to play him. You're sticking with CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson, and that's it through the air.
I would agree with that. I think Cooks is more of a, you know, uh, I, I have a, you know, I have a wide receiver three, I have a, you know, fourth flex spot and I need to, you know, plug somebody in there that's in what should be a high scoring environment. I don't know that the game goes over the total, but it should still be a high scoring environment compared to a lot of these other games uh, that we have. And both offenses are certainly capable. So, uh, you know, you might see a touchdown out of him. He's, yeah, he's a dicey wide receiver three, wide receiver four type. Christmas Eve. The NFL has gifted us with the Patriots and Broncos to put our children to sleep peacefully in the evening. The only <laughs> player I would be interested in is either Hunter Henry or Mike Jasicki. Hunter Henry battling a knee injury, hasn't practiced as of Thursday. And we saw not only all year had the Broncos allowed the most points per game to opposing tight ends, but then we saw Sam Laporta just mount them for three touchdowns as well. So that trend continues for one of the Patriots tight ends. Other than that, though, you know, I guess if you want to start Demario Douglas, whatever, little little possession receiver who doesn't have a ceiling. Uh, any other thoughts here? You're just talking pass catchers, right? Because I think Ezekiel Elliott is certainly okay. He's certainly startable. He's got a nice matchup against the Broncos. They're pretty bad against the run. 17th and just a fancy points allowed to running backs. Even though he had a bad game last week and in 16 touches, he wasn't very productive. I think he'll bounce back and have a good week this week. Especially for Mondry's out, which it does seem like he's going to be out again. On the Broncos side of the ball, also. Where do you have Cortland Sutton ranked? Since that's pretty much where we're down to him and Javante Williams, who isn't providing a ceiling either. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that as well. Uh, Sutton, I have a 23. The Patriots, probably their weakest spot is uh, against receivers, uh, the 23rd, 22nd, and adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to the receiver position. Obviously, there's not much going on at tight end there. You can't start Jerry Judy, even though he had a decent game last week uh, against the Lions. Um, Javante Williams, it's a tough matchup. Plus, with 32 teams playing, you know, he's just down in those rankings at 27. Uh, the, the Patriots are fourth in just a fantasy points allowed to running backs. I think, you know, Russell Wilson's sort of startable, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Uh, he's, he's at 18. Monday, Christmas Day, three games. Let's start with the Raiders and the Chiefs because we finally got what we've all been clamoring for the last two years and that's an every down receiver with Patrick Mahomes as Rasheed Rice now the last two weeks 83% route rate in this past game a season high 93% route rate uh, I would consider Rice for the rest of the year closer to a low-end wide receiver one fringe wide receiver one given that the target share is definitely coming with the opportunity now Completely agree. Uh, I have him at 13 this week. Wide receiver 13. Uh, Vegas is 18th and just fantasy points allowed to receivers. I have been ranking him in that 15 to sort of 22 range because of the snaps. The snaps weren't there. But over the last two weeks, as you mentioned, he's playing starter snaps and virtually an every down player. And we we actually have it. So since since Tyree Kill, we haven't really had it. Uh, but now I think he's a rock solid option. And, and it's nice to have that. I mean, got, uh, you know, owners or uh, managers who drafted him probably drafted him very late. Now they're able to lock him in uh, to their fantasy lineups for the uh, fantasy playoffs. playoffs. Both running backs were in waiting on, but it sounds like both Isaiah Pacheco and Josh Jacobs will play. And if that's the case, just remember that both were every down running backs prior to their injuries. Uh, do you think they'll both return as such in this game? I do. I, I'm a little bit. I, I'm a little low on Jacobs just because I think the matchup against the Chiefs and the game environment against the Chiefs might 
work against him. Whereas with Pacheco, I think he's in a great game environment. The matchup is great against Vegas, uh, 29th and just a fantasy points allowed to running backs. But right now I've got Jacobs ranked as a low end RB2, uh, just given the spread and just what we're, we're expecting how this game to play out. If they stay competitive, then he's going to do probably do better than that and be a big part of why they stay competitive. But I'm not super bullish on Josh Jacobs this week. And Jacoby Myers is someone also I am not bullish on. Seems like we really got away with one since he added points with a thrown touchdown to Devontae Adams. Yeah, Devontae himself is not ranked as high as I would normally like to rank him. I have him at 17. It's a tough matchup with the, the Chiefs secondary, but he could see and should see a lot of volume in this one. Giants at Eagles. Jalen Hurts battling the flu this last game, battling a knee injury all year, but still posted two rushing touchdowns, got there with over 60 rushing yards. Any thoughts for the Eagles passing game here that it's probably honestly just going to drown out the Giants offense entirely? I think you're you're fine with Jalen Hurts. He's my number one quarterback. You starting him if you have him. After that, uh, you know, AJ Brown is is rock solid. We've seen Devonta Smith's numbers take a dip with with healthy. Uh, with a healthy uh, Dallas Goddard, even though Goddard's not doing a whole lot. DeAndre Swift is sort of a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for me just because of the touchdown equity that Hurts brings to the table. We don't see a whole lot of touchdowns for Swift, even though he does get his yards. Uh, so that's where I'm sort of at with this. You can start – you're definitely starting Brown. You can start Devonta Smith. You can start Goddard. Uh, but you know, in this game, you know how much, how many points are the Giants really going to put up? Are they are the Eagles going to be pushed at all in this one, or is it going to be like a twenty-one to three type game? It's it. It's even worse that their trenches are falling apart too. Like last week, Tommy DeVito under pressure on forty-seven percent of his dropbacks, suffered a concussion in game. Uh, he was sacked seven times as well. So it's not a great spot for even Saquon Barkley, who you have to start based on the touches, but. The game script again, it's probably just going to take them out of it like last week, and you see five to eight points, and that's it. Are they expecting DeVito to play or not play with the. He, re- with he returned in the fourth quarter of that game. So, oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. But Dable came out afterwards and said they're evaluating everything, which usually means Tyrod Taylor also may start this one. Probably not anything we'll know until Sunday or Monday, though. I think given the nature of the position, Darren Waller is interesting at tight end. He 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 was a part-time player last week. I would expect those ramp, uh, snaps to ramp up this week. And it's a you know, the 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 Eagles are a pass funnel, and so he could see a big six for sixty with a touchdown type of a day. Uh just given the nature of the tight end position that people are scrambling to fill out the rosters. But I don't think any other receivers are too appealing this week this week against uh, the Eagles. And finally, the nightcap that I will peel myself away from the family for. The Ravens, the Niners, a potential Super Bowl preview. And I know people have questions about the offensive skill players based on the defenses in this game, but it's so volatile because the offenses are so good as well that maybe the defenses don't even matter. And that includes like options like Isaiah Likely because even the Niners, week 11, Kate Otten went for 49 yards against them. The Seahawks totaled over 56 yards in back-to-back games. And then last week, Trey McBride reached 100. Even Elijah Higgins reached 44 yards. So I think likely is in a great spot from Lamar Jackson. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to get everyone, Brandon and I, you concluded, just in this game. I think you could have confidence in 
all the offensive players for the most part. I mean, I, I guess the, the Baltimore receivers are a little dicey with Zay Flowers starting him, but maybe not as confident as he did earlier in the year. Beckham had a quiet game last week. Is his is his hot run over? But I think he's a wide receiver four, wide receiver five flex type play. Uh, I also like likely as well. I've got him at seven. Uh, San Francisco is 13th in just a fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. They're, you know, a little bit mediocre to weak against the, uh, the past. I mean, I think they're, Decent against the run as well. The 49ers um, are, but you know, I think this is, could be a really high-scoring game, uh, higher than people think, if these defenses aren't able to contain these really exciting offenses. And I think on the Baltimore side of the ball, Gus Edwards should be back in the saddle as a 15-carry back with you know potential to score one or two touchdowns on top of it with uh, the injury to Keaton Mitchell. Pretty confident about Lamar Jackson, uh, and I, as I mentioned, the two receivers, Flowers and, and Beckham, a little bit dicey, but startable uh but you know you wonder how many passing yards jackson will have if if they're able to run the ball at all because they're trying to keep the the 49ers off the field i would think and gus edwards for me is another one of those decision backs where it just comes down to who else is on your roster uh because he did in five games before keaton mitchell entered the rotation did average 16 and a half touches 13 and a half points per game but yes it is the daunting 49ers front seven so just play it based on matchups on your own roster. Other than that, Paulson, I think that's the best we could do given all the injury reports and four days of games that we're still waiting on everything. So what else we have on the site for everyone this week? I think that's pretty impressive. We got through 16 games in uh, you know, 48 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just lamenting the fact that I have to try to get rankings out on Tuesday. So I do have a lot of work to do on Monday and Christmas. This is the worst possible schedule. So listen to me whine about my job for a few seconds. Uh, one time I'll do it this year. Uh, I, I have a sneaky starts up, and obviously I need to uh, spend quite a bit of time this weekend and get these uh, week seventeen rankings up uh, for next week because it's you know it's championship time. It's we're in crunch time right now. The DFS show will be at its normal hours Friday six p.m. Eastern, and the waiver wire for week seventeen you're not getting it until Tuesday morning. Suck it up. So until then, Paulson. Good luck to everyone in the semifinals and we'll be back for one more round of a championship preview next week until then especially over the holidays enjoy everyone your family your friends and remember be a little bit kind of what's we'll see you next time